have seven children, and and several of them are in their twenties. I mean, they have older thirties. <laughs> We're slightly over thirty. <laughs> no, but I can honestly say I've stayed with them uh, periodically over the years. They have like the most peaceful household. And they actually, they stay like that. We like have e- one and that's not even Yeah, no, no, no. We don't carry as much peace and we only have one child. One. But like they tra- they've come. Yeah, yeah, more. More will do that for you. <laughs> but they've come several. I just want you guys to know they've come several times throughout the years to sow in prayer and fasting, specifically here in New England, and give 40 days of laboring here amongst us and with us. Um, so there are people that are invested, um, but they've also traveled with their children. They're a large tribe. And so watching them in the midst of moving dynamics, if any of you guys have ever done a 40-day prayer and fasting, it's not easy, <laughs> none of it, but they do it with just such grace and give such leadership to it. So we love having you here. Thanks, Thank guys. you. We drove in last night and Marion says, why do I feel at home here? I said, because you prayed here so long, so many times. No, it is. We've, we've sown a lot into this area. We, we do. We feel an affinity to, yeah. to this region, so... I'm going to let you start. Just for Okay, just real minutes. quick. I just wanted to greet you all. And yeah, as we were driving in, it was like, why do I feel at home in a city? This is like so unusual. Because we usually like, you know, kind of country, mountains, trees. And he goes, that's because you've done prayer strikes here. And because we love these guys. Oh, my goodness. I would say we have been, I don't even know how many stadium gatherings, probably... 30 prayer assignments around the nation, many, many worship leaders, I would say, by far, besides my own daughter and my, my other children as well. Don't forget them. But uh, Daryl is by far one of our most favorite worship leaders. Absolutely. And of course, Will. Oh, my goodness. We're in the house of prayer, and there's Daryl and Will. And, um, you know, I have my eyes closed. Oh, Jesus. I mean, because, you know, they just take you up. So you're just before the throne, but then something kind of throws me. I hear a djembe, and I thought, who on earth is playing djembe? It's just Will and Daryl, and Will's doing sound. Oh, no, no, it's Will. And with his other hand, he's playing keyboard, and he's singing. <laughs> he was like, that's kind of like rubbing your stomach and patting your head and dancing on one foot at the same time. I don't know how he does it. And then by far, one of my favorite preachers is Bethany. Oh, my goodness. As passionate as Bethany is in preaching, Daryl is in worship, and now they're doing this. They're having a church. Absolutely amazing. And for any of you that have not signed up, I feel bad for anybody who isn't in the five that have room to sign up because that will be the 110 conference will be absolutely amazing. There is something... Our guys from Pasadena, California will fly out to go to that because it is so marking and such a pivotal time in their lives that what a treasure. It's in your own backyard. We have to fly all the way across the country for that. So here we are. I guess we would have to go to your over 30 home group (laughs) because we've been married for 34 years, which means I must be over 30. So, you know... My kids, I look at them all the time, so I just think I'm around their age. So one time we were talking to one of my nieces, and I said, cousin, and Chantel looked at me and said, mom, she's your niece. She is not your cousin. (laughs) You know, she's grown with children. I just forget. So 
kids keep you young. If you want to stay young, be in the prayer movement, have lots of kids, and have people invade your household. So you just have to live Jesus no matter where you are. And because uh, otherwise, everybody knows that you're not. <laughs> I can remember telling my kids, did you have your time with the Lord today? Uh, payback. I'm having a rough day. They go, Mom, did you have your time with the Lord yet? (laughs) No. (laughs) So we have, just to pick up where Bethany left off, as far as Bradford College. So we're standing there on a tour of Bradford College, and she goes, John Armott, the student volunteer missions movement, 100,000. It was like, Bethany, stop, wait, what did you just say? Because 1998, Rod had the very first, there was not an IHOP. There was not an International House of Prayer. There was not a Justice House of Prayer. We didn't know Lou Engle. And so we were the oddest people we knew. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. God kept speaking to us, House of Prayer. We're like, yeah, House of Prayer. What is that? I mean, church, what is it? We don't know. So he told Rod to go to work for a whole week and spend eight hours a day, like full-time hours, like he was checking into a time clock and pray eight hours a day for a whole week. And so he thought, wow, this is going to be amazing. God told me paid to pray. He's going to take care of our finances. You know, don't do this unless God really confirms. (laughs) All week he wasn't praying about finances. I was. I was before the throne. Oh, Jesus! Oh, God! Well, you know, somebody had a prophetic word over him. I'll be done in just a sec. Had a prophetic word over him. Oh, I just see you in the throne room, Jesus. And Mary and I see you outside the throne room with a sword. It's like, wait a minute. I want to be in the throne room. What happened to this? But, you know, here I am. Oh, Jesus, finances! It wasn't until late Saturday night, probably 11 o'clock at night, that the provision came in. I reminded him all week about it, though. Um, anyhow, Rod, he, he, was gonna go, he was going to work for the Lord. This is going to be glorious. We had not heard anything except for Reese Howells, the intercessor, you know, Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, all of those heroes. But we are odd. We do not know people that do this in our day and age. So he goes to work for the Lord, thinks it's going to be a mountaintop. God Almighty asked me to go to work for him. I am working for him. This is going to be glorious. So he starts praying. He goes through the whole list. 15 minutes felt like five hours. And he's like... (gasps) After about an hour, I was going, this is going to be a long week. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a 10-minute window. Go ahead and tell your 10-minute window. So it was about Wednesday, middle of the week. I'm, I'm four miles out on this beach. There's no, it's nobody around. And I... I have just a, an encounter with the Lord. That's all I can call it. It's, you know how you, you can be praying. One thing, you, you, you're praying. I was on the beach walking and praying, and the next thing I know, I'm no longer on the beach. I'm actually around the throne. Like it, it was, it, and I wasn't, it wasn't like I was seeing everything, but I knew I was touching heaven, and I knew what I was hearing and experiencing that time was was a word of the Lord, and it was all about 100,000 sent ones, a student missions movement, and instead of praying from the beach, I was from heaven, I was declaring it over the, over the earth and looking down and just declaring this is what's going to happen. There's a, hundred, there's a, a movement of, of young students that is going to go to every tribe and tongue and nation of the earth. 
They're going to go as sent ones, messengers carrying the gospel, not looking back. So that's what I was hearing and declaring. I get back to school the next week, and uh, the, the president of the Bible school I was at, he gets up on the stage and he said, I was at a conference over the weekend, or last week, and the, the prophetic word that was spoken over me was 100,000 missionaries raised up and sent out. The, uh, the missions director had been t- taking a team to Mexico with David Hogan. They were in the prayer room of, of this compound there, and they were praying and had exact same experience. 100,000 missionaries raised up. So I've carried this word for, for years, you know, 17, 18 years now. And uh, I know it's a sure word of the Lord. This is, and then when we connected with you guys later on, we just, we see God doing something. He's preparing, he's building He's preparing for a move of God that's going to touch the nations of the earth. And, and you are part of it. You're going to see it with your own eyes. You're going to, many of you, I believe, will probably not just see it, but you'll be part of it. You'll go. Or you'll support those who do go. So then we go to Mott Auditorium. We're with Lou. We go to do the Ekbalo House of Prayer. And Ekbalo is the Greek word in Matthew 9.38 for thrust out laborers. Pray, pray ye therefore, Lord of the harvest, thrust forth laborers. So we call it Ekbalo for the thrust out laborers. So we did the Ekbalo House of Prayer in that little back room in the back recesses of Mott. And down, and we call it the war room because that's when we get down to business. And we pray for laborers to be thrust out. Well, come to find out, the president of that school of 1,200 students it was in Maud Auditorium, and it was Lou Engle that prophesied over him 100,000 sent ones. So then Rod and, and the Lord have this, this thing going between them for the last several years where he'll stop, he'll find a penny, and he'll pick it up, and he'll go, God, one cent. Send another one. Thrust forth another one into the harvest. So recently, someone prophesied over us, um, you know, from the Trail of Tears, to the trail of pennies. Does that mean anything to you? Yes. <laughs> yes. So the, our students sometimes have teased, we're going to cover your whole house with pennies. <laughs> Anyhow, the cent ones, one cent. I walked into J-Hot Boston, last, you know, your house last night. Where was it? On the stairs? One of you was with me. There was a penny sitting right there. Oh, look, they left one for me. <laughs> it's, it's like random all over the place. It's just something. It's like a joke between the Lord and I. But he just reminds me, pray for the sent ones. One sent out, Lord. So it's, it's coming. This, this whole thing is, is real. It's happening. So really fast, what we're doing is we're moving to Hawaii. We've planted a base in Pasadena, an Iqbalo House of Prayer there. And they're raising up. Laborers, because what happens is when you pray thrust forth laborers, you end up getting thrust forth. And also, we want to have the strike teams, very J-Hop style, where we have prayer strike teams that can go into the nations. Luke 10, 1 and 2, it says, Jesus sent them out ahead of him to the towns where he was going to go. That we would have teams that would go break it open in the heavenlies, ahead of the gospel, ahead of the missionaries that bring Jesus into the villages and the towns of the unreached. So really, you know, our goal, besides raising up young people that will go to the hardest and darkest, this is my goal. 
This is our goal. <laughs> this is Daryl and Bethany's goal too. That we would see a revival, that we would see a spiritual awakening, a third great awakening, not just across New England, not just across the US and Canada, but across the nations, that people's hearts are so gripped with the love of Christ, transformation that it's like, here am I, send me. I'll go, I'll go wherever you send me to. That there would be laborers that would be raised up and 100,000 would go from the U.S. to the unreached people groups of the nations that every tongue, every tribe would be reached. That the Lord would have worshipers from every tribe. That the return of Christ would come. So that's my goal. So we're going to Hawaii to plant another Iqbalo house of prayer, which is really a J-Hop house of prayer and uh, do a, a training school to be able to send out teams to the nations. Amen. Okay, so from the lofty goal of the world getting saved and, God com- and Christ coming back, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about you. Basics. Like, so we're going to, this is your basic training, right? So I'm going to, what I want to talk about for the next little while is hearing the voice of God. This, when I heard this message, I'd been through Bible school. I met her, my wife, and we'd been married for several years. And I heard this lady with this really high, irritating, squeaky voice on this. But she was, but the whole message was about divine guidance. And, and when I heard it, I started listening to these, this, what she's saying. I was like, wow. I'm not really walking in, I, you know, I, I kind of know, I mean, everybody knows, yeah, God, God will speak to you, he can speak to you, but to me, to you, like individually, are you walking in a place where you're actually hearing the voice of God? So let's just talk about it. I, I want to do a little Bible study with you today. You got some, you got Bibles, phones, however you electronically do it. What I want to encourage you is, is take some notes and, and look over, study some of this stuff. Spend some time and, and chew on it. Let's start in, uh, this, so I'm going to call this conditions for hearing the voice of God. Really, it's conditioning your heart, conditioning your, your getting yourself in a place where you can hear. Psalm 24. Turn to Psalm 24, verse, and I've got several scriptures I'm going to go through. I'm going to do it kind of fast, but um, take notes and look at it later. Psalm 24, verse 3. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. Who can ascend before the throne of God? So he's talking about clean hands and a pure heart. Getting yourself in a position. I remember one time I was praying and I, I said, Lord, is there anything in my life that's not pleasing to you? And I, you know, I was just, Lord, you know, there's another scripture in Psalm. Lord, search me and know me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And so I'm praying along those lines and I, I just hear this, you know, kind of inner voice. He said, do you really want to know? And I'm going, oh, <laughs> I think so, <laughs> you know, because I thought I was doing okay. But then he, he started saying, yes, there, there are some things in your life that, that I, I don't like. And, and that was the beginning of a season of, 
of really the Lord just starting to kind of show me his ways in a deeper way where, you know, there was, there was selfish ambition in my heart. There was pride. There was, you know, there was these different things. And, and when I really started asking, see, this is the thing. If you ask the Lord these kind of questions, are you willing to hear the answer? Are you willing to respond? Are you willing to walk in his counsel? Because if you're going to ask him, he will answer you. He will, he'll start taking you at your word. So if you, if you don't want to know, if you don't want to change, don't ask these questions. You're going to be held responsible for it. Psalm 66, 18. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If I regard wickedness, so if, what does that, what does it mean? What do you think the Lord considered wickedness? This is not, this is a rhetorical question. You, you have to answer this for yourself. What does he consider wickedness? Don't ask what your culture considers wickedness or even what your neighbors considers wickedness. What does the Lord consider? How about this one? Psalm 103 verse 3, it says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. So the question then is, what does the Holy Spirit consider a worthless thing? These are questions you have to wrestle with with the Lord. That may drastically affect how your, your entertainment life. You know, we, on our, above our TV, there's, a, there's a, a little poster that one of our kids made. It's, it's this scripture. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes, right on top of the TV. Try that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that will change your viewing habits. James 4, turn to James 4, verse 8. I'm getting there. James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And I want to just throw in there Hebrews, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. So if you're going to draw near to God, you, you come with this, with this understanding, with faith that he, he wants you to draw near to him. Draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and, know, and believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's Hebrews 11. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to, to fellowship with him. He wants us to abide with him. Where was I? Verse 8. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, this part's probably not, you know, this is be miserable and mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy into gloom. So there's, you know... There's a season for everything in life. I mean, if, if you're walking in disobedience and rebellion in your heart, then this applies. Repent. If you're, if you're walking in this, this place of, of self-centeredness in your life and complacency, and 
you know, this, this scripture might apply to you. It's possible. Number two, verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. When you come to him, so uh, this is talking about conditioning of the heart. Getting yourself in a posture where you actually can hear the voice of God. He's speaking. We went through years of making choices. I, I started a business when I was two or three years into our marriage. This was my. This is how I did it. I, I said, Lord, would you please bless what we're doing? Amen. And off I went. Never really stopped to consider, Lord, do you want me to do this? See, when you say, when the covenant language, when you say, Lord, that means something. It's not just a title, you know, that he has. He's Lord. You call him Lord. No, Lord means you're in control. My life, you know, we sang it this morning. My life is yours. That means he has the right to say, I want you to go here. I want you in, in Zambia in the middle. I was just in Zambia last year. In the middle of one of these compounds with millions of people who are, who are living in complete poverty and disease, I want you to go there and bring the gospel. He has the right to say, I want you to train, get trained, and I want you to be a politician. I want you to be a doctor, a lawyer, exec, you know, whatever. Lord means something. It doesn't, you know, it's not just that you, you add him to your life and you have a nice life and you're a Christian and you go to church once in a while. Lord means my life is yours. I, I remember telling him, Lord, I'll go any place on the planet you send me. Just my life is yours. I lay down my ambitions, my business, whatever. I'm yours. And he said, okay, good. Go to New York City. <laughs> I'm like, what? New York? I was thinking, you know, missions in China. I'm really, that was, China was on my heart. So we ended up a year later, we're in Flushing, Queens, which is 90% Asian. So our, our neighbors are Chinese. And so, you know, I just, I interpreted it a little wrong, but we actually did what he said. So back to conditioning your heart for hearing the voice of God. Any known sin in your life, get it out. Repent. Get it under the blood of Jesus. There is no sin in your life that is too too much for God to forgive you of. There is no condemnation for him who is in Christ. The enemy will lie to you. He'll draw you into sin, and then he'll turn around and say how much of a loser you are for doing that. You See, you're never going to be free. There's freedom. There is freedom. And there's no condemnation. There's no shame. Internet pornography is rampant in the church, in our society, right here in this room. With this kind of a, a crowd, I'm sure there's those of you who have been touched by it. There's no shame. But get it out of your life. Get, get accountability. Get help. Get free of it. You will start to realize as you start walking in purity, clean hands and a pure heart, the voice of the Lord becomes very clear to you. He wants you to hear what he's saying. Yes, I believe God speaks to me. I believe God speaks to individuals. His sons and daughters know his voice. Do you know the voice of your mother, your father? You don't even have to see them. You can hear them talking and you know it's them. The voice of the Lord will become just as clear to you. 
Okay, so you're conditioning your heart. You're getting your life right. You're getting sin out of your life. Um, there's three possible voices that you're going to hear. If you're, if you're, you know, listening, you want it, you're seeking God. So there's, there's, number one, there's a voice of your own mind, your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own logic and reasoning. That's, that's probably where most of us live quite most of our life. We, you know, we're hearing our own thoughts. The other voice would be the voice of the enemy coming in various forms of, of lies and distraction. And the third possible voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit. So to set yourself up for, for hearing God, what do you do? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. Very simply, Lord, I trust in you. I put my it's not that you check your brain at the door when you become a Christian. No, he's not asking you to do that. But there are times where instead of trusting your own understanding, your own reasoning and logic, you say, Lord, I trust you. And I quiet the, the thoughts and the voice of, of my own reasoning, my own logic. I put that aside. I still that voice, and in Jesus' name, I just I submit myself to you. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, he will flee. You submit yourself to God, and you resist by the blood of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I resist every lying spirit, every distraction. You shut it down. So now what you've done is you've, you've effectively prepared yourself to hear God. You're not leaning on your own reasoning, and you've closed the door to any demonic harassment. And you've, you've got your, the sin out of your life. You've repented. So you're in a place where now, when God speaks to you, you'll hear. Okay. Are you getting this? Does it make sense? When you ask the Lord, like we've done, we've... we've it was like a new toy. It's like, wow, I can ask God. And, and you know, he wants to speak to me. So we, were, we had four or five little ones at this time, and, and we're, we were going to take the weekend to go camping. And so someone says, well, let's ask the Lord. Because we, we had a debate over, let's go to the beach. No, let's go to the mountains. And let's ask the Lord, where should we go? Hey, that's a good. So we did. And, and so we're with, the, with our kids. And I would, include, I would encourage you parents, include your, your children in this. This has been a vital part of our, our family relationship is hearing God together. And letting them, actually letting them see the problems and the issues and, and letting them see the answers that God gives us too. So we're praying, Lord, do we go to the beach or do we go to the mountains? And I, I can't remember all the details of it, but this is the gist of it. The Lord said, give away your truck. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no. I die to my own reasoning and understand. I bind the enemy. So we're, we do this. Okay, Lord, do we go to the beach or do we go to the, to the mountains? Give away your truck. <laughs> so, okay, so we start. And I bought this truck just to, I was going to fix it up and make it, sell it to make some money. 
So we pray about, okay, do you really want us to give away this truck? And there was a confirmation. Yes, yes, yes. Several, you know, everybody agreed. Okay, we're supposed to give the truck away. And then one of them said, I think it's this family that, you know, and so we all agreed. So we determined, okay, yes, we'll give the truck. Now, Lord, do we go to the beach or the mountains? And then uh, a scripture, one of the kids, what was it? Do you remember what it was? Crossing a river, and it was, it was something, it was talking about, I think it was maybe Jacob wrestling with the angel or something, but it was because at the mountains, there was a river. So they're going, oh, there's a river, we're supposed to go to the mountains. So, okay, we got our answer, we're going to the mountains. But first we went and we dropped the truck off in the driveway of this family. They didn't, they weren't home, so we just left the keys in it with the title and a note. <laughs> Here's your new truck, <laughs> you know. And we left. So we go camping, we're up there the next day, and uh, we took another couple with us from the church we were part of, and I look up, and there's my truck driving in the, <laughs> into the campground, he's pulling a trailer. So this family, turns out that that day, his car, the engine of his car blew up. So he's discouraged, and they had, they had a bunch of little kids, and he comes home, and he finds a truck sitting in his driveway with a note, here's your, here's your new vehicle. So it was like, to him, it was just, oh, God, total provision. And built my faith is like, wow, I heard God. I heard God. We all heard God together. And, and then, but then even more, because we had asked where to go camping. If we'd gone to the beach, we would not have met these guys up there. So we're sitting around the campfire that night with our, my wife and I and another couple that came with us and the other couple that had driven our truck up. So we're all sitting there talking, and we start, and we're, we're kind of just watching and listening. The two couples are talking about their marriages. They're both, like, falling apart. They're, like, ready to call it quits. So we watched God start to do something among that, the group of six of us. We met together for the next, I don't know, several months, six months, and we watched God heal their marriage out of it. And they're still married today, both of them, both couples. Still love God. So we asked the Lord where to go camping. <laughs> Out of that, all of that happened. Ask yourself, am I willing, this is the question, am I absolutely resolved to obey what God says? If you're going to ask him to speak to you, are you absolutely resolved to obey what he says, no matter what the cost or the consequence? This is lordship. Are you really willing to walk in what he tells you? It may mean complete shift of your, your life. When it, for me, when I, when I really started answering the, the call in my life, when God started talking to me, it, was, it meant leaving my ambitions, my business, my, my goals. I had, I'll tell you, one of my goals in life, we were in business, and I wanted to make enough money to take a year off and get an RV and travel the nation with my kids and do homeschooling on the road and just, you know, let them see all of our great nation. That was one of my goals, big picture on the fridge. So when the Lord called us to, to leave business and to go into ministry, I took it and I wadded it up and I threw it away because I knew preachers don't do that. You know, ministers, they don't, there's no way I'm ever going to accomplish that dream. 
Well, I've been given two RVs now, and I've lived on the road for like six years. <laughs> I've totally done the dream, and the Lord paid for the whole thing. Yeah, and there were times where, you know, there were some times where I complained, Lord, how long do I have to do this? <laughs> obedience. Now, obedience, based on what God tells you, it's not based on emotion. It's not based on circumstance. It's not based on opinion, either my or other people's opinion. It's not based on common sense. It's based on the word of the Lord. There's another scripture in James, uh, James 3, 13. It says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not which, that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. So this, this scripture goes on to talk about the contrasting of the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. He calls it earthly, natural, demonic. That's the wisdom of man. The wisdom of God, verse 17, from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. There's a wisdom that God has that, that, that it will, it doesn't make sense to the natural mind at times. Some of the stuff we've done most of our life, actually, the last 20 years, if I try to logic it out and reason it, it, it doesn't work. But in God's economy and God's wisdom, I mean, we could tell you stories all day long about just hearing God and stepping into obedience. There was a, uh, there was a, I'll tell you one. We were in. We were just finished uh, school. We had six, five, six children. We were living in Pensacola, Florida. Been a part of the Brownsville revival, and we were starting to go out uh, taking travel teams out. I came back from a from a, a tour, and now I'm praying. Okay, Lord, nine eleven did just happen, and I'm praying, Lord, what are we supposed to do? What What's the next step? Uh, we need provision, you know. So I'm praying about finances. And I'm asking the Lord, you know, as far as ministry, am I supposed to travel? What are we supposed to do? So I take a day or a day or two, and I'm I'm fasting. I, I lock myself in this room. I said, you know, don't bother me. I have to hear God, and I'm not coming out until I get an answer. I got to have direction. So I'm in there, and I'm praying, and I, I through I won't go through the whole thing, but basically what God said is. I want you to go to, a, there's a prayer meeting from 8 to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, associated with the school that I was, had been a part of. I want you to go to that prayer meeting. So I have my answer. I come out of the prayer room, and uh, I get a phone call about an hour later from a contractor, because I'd also been praying about finances. Lord, I need provision, like, like now. What do we do? So I get a call from a contractor, and he says, hey, I got a job starting at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. I'll pick you up. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll provide gas for you. I'll do whatever you need, just come. I, I want you to come to work for me. So I'm going, wow, provision, okay. Amen. I went to work. The next day I was at 7 a.m. I was working. And for the next three months, I was working day after day after day, and I'm getting frustrated, more frustrated. 
as the days go by, I would, Marion would say, so what's God saying to you? And I'm going, he doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> but it didn't dawn on me. It didn't click in my head that, that I was in disobedience because I'm providing for my family. I'm doing what is reasonable and logical, right? I'm taking care of my family. I'm doing what every good man should do. I'm providing. This is my argument. But I would go to pray, and it's like the heavens are brass. And, and so one day I'm, I, I got off work, and I went just for a walk, and I said, Lord, what is wrong? What have I done? Why aren't you, you know, talking to me anymore? And, he, and I heard this still, small voice. What is the last thing I told you? And I had to think about it a while because I really didn't know. And so finally I went, I just kind of went back and, oh, I'm supposed to go to that prayer meeting. He said, yeah, you're still supposed to go to that prayer meeting. That's, that was the word, and now my, my responsibility is to obey. So I had to give my two-week notice to the, the com- company I was working for, and the guy, he's like, you mean you're going to quit to go to a prayer meeting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I walk into this prayer meeting, and uh, the leader looks at me and starts prophesying about house of prayer. I mean, he's prophesying everything that we've been doing the last 10 years. And then after the prayer meeting, that lady comes up. She says, I've been looking for three months for somebody to remodel this house that I bought. Are you interested in a job? <laughs> for three months, I've been in disobedience, and she couldn't find, you know, so it was me, mercy of God that she held the job for me, but... She was actually paid me more than I was making on the other job, and it was flexible hours. I could work whenever I wanted. So all that to tell you, it may not make sense to your logical mind. You have to trust him. You have to walk in that place of faith, knowing that he's good, knowing that he cares about you. All right. So this, let me give you a, are you guys done at noon? Is that usually? Okay. <clears throat> Romans 8. Let's turn to Romans. I got about five more minutes. Are you, can you guys stay with me? Yeah. Romans 8. Okay, I know Romans is in the Bible somewhere. Where'd it go? (laughs) Acts, Romans. There we go. Okay, thank you. All right, chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are, for all who are doing, who are being, rather, being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We sang it this morning in the worship, Abba, Father. And there's, a, there's way more I could go into here, but just I'm just going to touch on the surface of this. You are called as sons and daughters. God is a family man. He, he, he's not the CEO of a large corporation who you can never touch. He is a father. He knows you by name. He knows your heart. He knows your, desire, your desires. He knows the, the, call, the destiny and the dream of God for your life. He's, he's put 
He's put it in you. He wants you to partner with him. He wants you to walk with him in, in a place of abiding fellowship. This is, it's all about family with the Lord. And by the way, I want to prophesy over you right now, this church. There are, there's going to be marriages and lots of children. The next time we come back, five, six years from now, there's going to be a lot of kids in here. I'm just, I just see it. It's a sign of life in a church, and it, I can see it coming. Every, there's several places around here I'm seeing children. I just declare, children, marriages and children. <laughs> life. Romans 8.26, we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself helps us. So when you come into the place of, Lord, I've got to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, I don't even know how to pray about this. Would you show me? He will. He's, he will help you. He will, he will even, the, the prayers, really, you know what, intercession and having your prayers answered, it's stepping into agreement with the Word of God. You get the Word of the Lord and you step into agreement and then, bam, you watch Him do things in your life. You watch Him do things in other people's lives. It's It's amazing. Some of the ways God's may speak. Now, this is some of the ways because there's, there's, it's limitless. Through the Word, through the Scripture, we were uh, we were leaving. We were preparing to leave on a tour, and all of our meetings canceled. So we're praying, Lord, do it your way, not our way. I don't, not a business, but you know, Holy Spirit, lead us. So all of our, like, it was amazing watching. It was four or five different churches and, and groups of churches that we're supposed to be at, they all canceled within a week. And we're going, oh, no. You know, now what? So we're praying, and uh, we're praying with our team. Three of the team actually quit. They said, well, obviously God's not in this. We're not going, you know, because they, they, they looked at the circumstances. But we're, we're, we had enough direction and enough guidance from the Lord. We felt like we we're supposed to go, but we, we went back together with the rest of the team, the remnant, <laughs> and we said, and I was actually, Lord, please just tell me not to go because I didn't want to go now. I mean, it was like this was looking pretty scary, and I have no money. I mean, it looks like there is this is just not going to work. So this is one of the ways God speaks. I, ha- I got this random Reference in just in my mind, Judges what was it Judges eighteen six. I opened the Bible to Judges eighteen six. I need three hands. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. There we go. Eighteen six, and I read this. The priest said, said to them, go in peace. <laughs> Your way in which you are going has the Lord's approval. I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> we have to do this. And I literally had no money. You know, and, I mean, but it was a whole story of watching God's provision, watching him open doors. We actually we traveled for six weeks around the nation. We ministered in all kinds of places. None of it was set up beforehand. Like it would, we would literally come into a town and, and watch him do. I mean, it's, it's a whole long story. I don't have time to tell you. But 
That's one of the ways he speaks. It may be a dream. It may be a prophetic word. It may be a sermon. It may be a song. It may be a bumper sticker. I don't know. He, he can speak to you in a multitude of different ways. It may be just an inner voice, an inner knowing. There are times it's where it's, you know, where we pray. And the thing is, disclaimer for some of this stuff. He loves to work through your authorities. God will not violate his word. In the, in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. So don't get some, you know, great word and, you know, and just run off and, you know, jump off the cliff. Make sure he said yes a couple of times. Make sure that your spiritual authority is, is saying is in agreement with that because, you know, it's a long ways down. We've, we've done it. We've done the spiritual bungee jumping. It's great. It's awesome. It's full high adrenaline, but it's always been with, okay, Lord, you're sure, right? And marrying about 20 times, she'll... Lord, are you really saying this? And finally, he'll start, you know, he'll get a little firmer with her and say, do it. (laughs) You've heard enough. You've heard this way, this way, and this way. Now you have to obey. Um, Prophetic word. Somebody's prophesying over you. That, you know, I don't make decisions by one prophetic word. You know, test it. Prophetic words many times will be confirmation of what God's already saying and doing in your life. That's great. Um, he works through your spiritual covering. I've sometimes we've we've told our story to and people have, have heard our walk of faith where we we left business. We we literally gave everything away and said, "Okay, Lord, we'll follow you." And and then people hear that and say, well, it worked for you. I'm going to do that. <laughs> Dumb idea, unless God tells you. If God tells you, yes, then obey. But if he's, if he's not telling you, don't do that. Because we've actually got calls from people, and they say, well, we did what you guys did, and now we're living in a hotel, and we're broke, and we're in debt. Did God really tell you to do that? He may tell you, I want you to go be super successful in business and support 20 missionaries. You know, whatever your calling is, just be willing to walk in obedience to what he says, the word of the Lord. Yeah, there was a business guy that we just met. He owns 40 businesses. The Middle Eastern countries beg him to come. And he does these, uh, these, he cultivates business within their countries. And uh, somebody said, you have such a pastoral heart. Why are you in business? Why don't you quit business and become a pastor? And he said, what? You want me to quit my ministry so I can go to work? (laughs) Come on. What is God calling you to do? I want you to just close your eyes right now. A lot of times, you know, it's it's like the Lord tries to give us a gift and and we go, oh, no, no, no. I want it the way Daryl gets it. I want, I want it to come in worship and that this prophetic song comes forth. Or no, 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 I want it like Bethany. I want to have huge visions and dreams that I go into travail outside Mod Auditorium with Lou Engel. That's what I want. And yet the Lord has spoken to you. I want you to just close your eyes right now and, and think of the times that you felt that nudge. See, it's, it's relationship he's after. He, Abba, Father. As we sang today, 
your invitation is as a loving father for us to to climb up on your lap and and nestle our our face in your chest that as we're circled with your arms of love in that place of safety that all anxiety melts away and there as you speak holy spirit in those gentle whispers that we have to still ourselves to hear your voice. That's where the peace that passes all comprehension guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That our ideas melt away and your will becomes our will. That you abide in us and we abide in you. I want you to just place your hands open before the Lord. And, and you don't have to say it out loud, but in your hearts, just, Lord, I'm willing to yield my will to you. If it means this job, if it means living in this house, if it means moving, if it means becoming a full-time career missionary, if it means moving to Hawaii, living in Boston, living in China or New York City, I'm willing. I'm willing. Jesus, I call you Lord. I yield my will to you. I resist the lies of the enemy and I yield my will to you. Jesus, have your way in my life. I open myself up to Abba Father, Abba Yahweh, my Father in heaven, who's holy in all of his ways, perfect in his love towards me. I open myself up to you for you to speak, whether it be dreams, songs, billboards, or even my friend, or even my husband or my wife even my children, that you can speak through them to me. Lord, have your way in my life. In that place of stillness, he'll speak. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. And I just want to pray over you right now. And Daryl, if you have anything else, come on. Um, I just bless this congregation with ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, even when the professors are speaking, that your, your spirit is powerful enough that to overcome even the words of the professors, to begin declaring the word of the Lord, even through Hollywood, uh, the screens in the movie theaters can declare the word of the Lord. Even the newspapers can shout the glory of the Lord, that we can say to Boston, behold the glory of our God. And we declare, even in Boston, even in Harvard, even in Cambridge, that the glory of the Lord would be made manifest through the unity of this company, through the unity of this community. Lord, we invite you to speak, and we welcome you here today. Amen. Thank you. Let's invite the worship team out real quick. You got five more minutes to enjoy Jesus with us.
Got five more minutes? Anybody? Give me a couple more come-ons if you do. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, David Vartek. Hey, you know, I, I was listening to Rod speak, and I don't... I, for me, there's nothing more important than growing and hearing God's voice and actually being able to perceive the voice of God in our lives, you know, between what our head tells us, what the adversary tells us, to what God the Father tells us can be tricky sometimes. John 10, 27, I was reminded when Rod was speaking that Jesus said, my sheep hear and know my voice. I mean, one of the, one of the things that build this or my faith is growing and hearing and perceiving the voice of God in my life. And then, you know, we almost have the card stacked against us a bit because all throughout biblical history, we see that humanity often hardened their hearts towards the voice of God. And um, Hebrews 3, 15 says, today, if you hear his voice, his being God's voice. Now, some of us don't believe that actually God speaks still to his people. We believe that uh, the totality of everything that God's spoken is found in this word. And I would agree to a certain point. But if that's the point, then why does the New Testament emphasize an Old Testament concern? Referencing the children of Israel and their time in the wilderness, wandering and hardening, hardening their hearts against God. I believe God still speaks. In Revelations, right, when Jesus speaks to John, what does he say? For those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. So I would say that yes, God still speaks today. And my hope is that we as a community would grow in perceiving God's voice and not just thinking it's God, but really knowing. My sheep know. They hear my voice. Guys, today, one of the builders of your faith, of your salvation, should be knowing and hearing the voice of God. My sheep. Do you hear Jesus today? There's a lot of distractions in culture. There is a lot of clutter, I'm sure, even in my mind this morning, of things and tasks and responsibilities and family and friends and church that often consume this brain. I, 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 I feel like God wants us to focus in for just a short time. But you know what? We're also going to respond. We're going to get an opportunity to bless this couple before they leave the, uh, Hawaii. We're going to sow into their, their new adventure. Um, and so we're going to have an opportunity to give. We're going to worship Jesus. And so let's do this little exercise in our giving. Let's actually ask God, what are we to give? I love it. Uh, before coming into prayer Saturday, it's kind of off topic, but... Um, I was thinking about David's words to King, I can't pronounce his name, another king in uh, 2 Samuel 24, 24. And um, I was just thinking about my own faith and just some of the restrictions and some of the comfort that I have and I, I kind of try to maintain and work to maintain. 
But here's David in 2 Samuel 24, 24, and he says, what can I offer to God that costs me nothing? Why would I give God something that actually requires nothing of me? Our faith today, guys, is a costly faith. And today, not kind of tying that text into giving, but more so just tie that text into our living as Christians. Are we living extravagantly like David? That's the question I want to ask. And as we seek to grow in hearing the voice of God, I want us to do this exercise. I want to say, God, even for my own heart, just close your eyes real quickly. I'm just going to pray. And even you can ask yourself, what am I to give? <laughs> I want to live a heart that, that is eager to not live closed-handedly, but open-handedly. So Lord, in growing in the voice of God, I ask, Lord, that you would put on my heart, what am I to sow into this couple as they have sown into us this morning? Can we do that this morning? Ushers, if you would get ready. We're going to sing a song, guys. Look happy. Jesus loves a cheerful heart. He also loves his children that are eager and excited about giving. And so now we get an opportunity to bless the heart of God, but to also bless God's people. Amen. You can make your checks out to Hilltop Boston. You can give online. Guys, if you could put the slide up. Are we in A? Let's go to A. And let's do, uh, there's power in the name of Jesus.